Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. Hello, everybody. I'm J.D. Lopez, the host of Left Hand Right Brain. It's a free-flowing, wide-ranging conversation that I have with artists doing interesting and creative things here in Denver and beyond. We talk about their personal stories, break down their creative process, and what motivates them. Spoiler alert, it's mostly spite. We talk about all these things and more while kicking back, cracking wise, and always having a good time. You can find old episodes and everything you need to know at lefthandrightbrainpod.com. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy. At Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. This is Justin Neal with the Average Joe Geek Show. You're listening to the Real Nerds Podcast. This is Real Nerds Podcast, and I'm Ryan. With me is Brad and Zach. Did you know that we are officially the unofficial podcast at Denver Pop Culture Con? Lots of stuff is starting to be announced. They announced a Spider-Man artist I'm really excited to see. Mm-hmm. Um, they're slowly trickling in stuff. Uh, it's coming fast. Yeah. It's yeah. in May. Speaking of, uh, deadlines for panels are like February 28th, I think. So Okay. We'll think of something. Um, and then I think exclusives is March 28th. Let me uh, let me finish my corporal test, and <laughs> I'm there for you. All right. <laughs> um, but I was also thinking, so our 400th episode, is it before or after con, uh, Pop Culture Con? It's I actually it's after, right? No. I, if I'm right, it's the same week as Pop Culture Con. But I mean, con. when we actually record it. When we record it, it's before. It's before? Fuck. Yeah, because Pop Culture Con is, I think, the last week of May. Yeah. And the first week of June. Yeah, like literally the, the last day of May and then the first two days of yeah. June. Yeah, but the two weeks that the bug is available to host the show is like early May. So, Balls. like, we'll record it, and then we'll sit on it for a few weeks. Well, I was hoping. I, I'm, <laughs> hey, I'm gonna sit st- on it. I'm going to still ask some of uh, our celebrity connections. I'm going to have them do, like, shitty, going, wow, you guys made it to 400. This show sucks, or something <laughs> totally stupid. <laughs> I never um, thought you'd make it this far, because yeah. your show's garbage. <laughs> yeah. So, I was, I was hoping that uh, we'd have an opportunity with our uh, normals at Comic-Con, but um, I'll reach out to, um, like, our buddy JT and... Uh, I'm sure George's will still do it. Yeah, I have. I mean, I have his personal phone number. I probably call him. <laughs> Zach Howard's still here, right? Yeah, Zach Howard. We can get people. I think we could do like testimonials, and I, you know, I know this is really great, riveting podcasting. But um, Corinne had a great idea um, for our episode. We just start talking about the genesis of it, and I thought it'd be fun if we did kind of a, a late, like a late show kind of uh podcast where we just invite people up to talk to us and things like that you should host it like conan or something and then invite each of us out as your guests oh, <laughs> like you've never met us before yeah. and we should uh, you know i'll write a monologue for the beginning for jokes we can do it that'd be fun see would, look at that who would be your ed mcmahon we don't need one you have me nothing else is needed i think zach's trying to apply for that job <laughs> We're just going to stand in the corner and be like that's right ryan <laughs> 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 
Or uh, hi, I'm Andy here, Richter. Here's some nice Thai music. <laughs> <laughs> A little Thai music. <laughs> um, Ryan's Thai. I think that'd be fun. <laughs> Ryan's Thai. Yeah, like it's night show. We could add clips and stuff into it. Um, yeah. Because the origin some... story is not that interesting, so we definitely have to spruce it up. Well, that's what. <laughs> well, I mean, it's fun. We uh, yeah, a... we start hanging out. And we just start talking about movies. End of story. <laughs> well, no, but you got to make it fun. We should get a wildlife animal expert to bring in some animals, and you get to play with them, just like I on mean, Carson. we'll probably sell out the bug, <laughs> so we got to be ready for that. But yeah, I'm, but I'm just saying they should all be deadly animals, so that there's a risk That's involved. Awesome. <laughs> and here's our friend Henry with a boa constrictor. <laughs> you know what? We should totally bring back like Carmang and see if it even works. Okay, I got a. <laughs> and there's nothing but crickets. <laughs> hey, J- J- Johnny Carson, anybody? Hello. Overblown, overrated by the audience. The reaction to glass. <laughs> hey oh. Can't believe you made it this far. You're not all dead. Real Nerds Podcast, episode 400. Um, yeah, stay tuned for that. So uh, we're just shooting around ideas. Um, hopefully we can get some people. Um, if you want to send in a testimonial, we'll uh, run it. Yeah. And say whatever you want about us. It'll be fun. We'll have to separate it out from the other mail we get that says that they want me dead. So, <laughs> Oh, fuck. We don't this have that one much be, time. This one would be labeled, specially, we hate him. <laughs> yeah. So we'll find a day in the early May, and then we'll announce it. We'll announce and, it, and then uh, Brad will make a sweet poster. Yeah, and hopefully. It'll be free. It'll be free show. Oh, yeah. So. I mean, <laughs> we're going to charge for this shit. Yeah. <laughs> but while you're there, uh, you can um, buy snacks and stuff that helps the bug, right? Yeah. Or you can make a donation to the bug. Yeah. So, or yeah, can... we're not going to charge for this. I mean, you can listen to it for free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 300 and... Well, you won't be able to see all the clips and video stuff that'll be in the show. But yeah, so we'll, we yeah. It'll, be, it'll be lots of fun. So that's the incentive to see it. And then, of course, we're in person, and then we'll probably have a celebrity guest. Yeah, so. and you know what? We'll also sign anything you bring. If you bring your Real Nerds Pacho episode, uh, Blu-ray that didn't get signed at Comic-Con, uh, I will be happy to sign it. Yeah. Posters. Hopefully so, we have this year's shirt early. Maybe you could pick it up while oh, you're at the show. I like that idea. It's, it's a shame that he's dead, but our celebrity guest would be like, TV's Alan Thick. <laughs> <laughs> he's no, dead. We, yeah, yeah, we can figure something out. We have to, we have to know people. We know, we know a lot of people. But Wait, we have to? <laughs> no, I'm just like, my head's spinning 300 you're trying to figure out like who, miles an hour. Who do you get for the 400th? Like it, yeah, it would have I mean, to be. We can get people. should fly in Matty O'Connor. <laughs> <laughs> should um no nah, but I'll, I'll talk to some agents and stuff that i know we probably get some people on men in black or at agents. least to record something and tell us to go fuck ourselves yeah mm, there you go that's the bare minimum yeah that'd be awesome if we just got a whole like clip of like you know famous people saying go fuck yourself yeah go fuck yourself <laughs> go fuck yourself i'm down um anyways every week on real nerds podcast we see a new movie we podcast our experience of the world uh this week we saw stan and ollie which is, uh, we'll say, if you see the movie, play the trailer and spoil historical drama. Um, <laughs> and we'll go from there. <laughs> we'll also talk about movies we've been see- we saw throughout the week. In my case, two weeks because I've been gone. Um, movie news and movies that are coming out. Uh, did you guys talk about the Spider-Man trailer last week? Yeah. Yeah, a Fuck little bit, guys. but I want your opinion um, on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's amazing. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> they literally put Mysterio in in a globe head. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it blew my fucking mind. And it's Jake Gyllenhaal. You know, it, it's one of those things where... As a comic book fan, and uh, Brad can attest to this, you know, when you grow up and, you know, when Batman's there, he said, well, you can't have him, you know, uh, you know, Catwoman look like Catwoman from the comics or, you know, the Joker can't look just like the Joker, even though they're pretty close. Um, or, I, think, I think part of it is that, is that when you hire like a costume designer for a movie, like they want to put their own stamp on it and not just maybe. copy the work of the artist. Because then otherwise it feels like 
you know, unoriginal. Yeah, but there has been a trend of like, okay, well, we're gonna make this more techy and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, more like more uh, like tactical armor. You know, I mean, even I mean, if you talk, look at Bane from you know, uh, The Dark Knight Rises. But there's there's been this resurgence lately when people are saying, you know what, maybe comic book stuff isn't so dorky. Yeah, um, just like Aquaman did. Yeah, I mean. My Aquaman's man. made a billion dollars, and I, I that blows my mind. Not, mm-hmm. I mean, the movie's fun. I'm not taking away the, the how the movie's fun, but if you told me an Aquaman movie would make a billion dollars, I'd call you a liar. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on par but, with Batman now. But even, you know, the X-Men, remember in the first X-Men where they said, well, you want us to wear black spandex or yellow spandex? And in Dark Phoenix, they're literally wearing yellow and black spandex that have big X's on it. Right. And it's just it's just a change in culture where it's accepted unless you're bill maher and you're an idiot but <laughs> did you read his quote he did, he's like i didn't he's read a, it but I, I think he's been accused of this before well no so he, like, about so he talked about stan lee's dying and how people who read comic books are idiots and it's not great literature and then for some reason he brought it back up and trashed kevin smith in the process but he said yeah i can write this captain america glory spider-man glory and i go you haven't read a comic book because if you know that Captain America and Spider-Man are not in it for glory. It's, mm-hmm. it, but that's neither here or there. He's an idiot. Um, he's just trying to get clicks, and it worked. But anyways, um, yeah. We also have people call in every once in a while. Actually, Corinne's been pretty uh, consistent. consistent with that. Good job, Corinne. Uh, this week on Catching the Classics with Corinne, she watched Shaun of the Dead. Here's Corinne. Hey, nerds. Corinne here for part 11 of Catching the Classics where I review famous and popular movies that I've never seen before. Today, I watched Shaun of the Dead. So overall, like, wow, this is such a good movie. I was um, just (laughs) blown away by the, uh, just the writing, like everything in this movie is so tight and everything like connects. There's Nothing wasted. Everything kind of comes back into play at some point or another. Uh, the performances are great. Um, the gore effects, I mean, I don't, I'm not like a big horror buff like Ryan and uh, Zach and those guys, but uh, I mean, I didn't think it was super gory. Um, I'm not really big into like horror movies. So, I mean, I, I think it was more rated R for the language and not so much for the gore. I mean, there are some gory things to it, but not anything more than what would be in, like, Zombieland, I think, would probably be a good comparison. But, yeah, I think, of anything, the writing in this movie really stood out to me, of just a well-written film, very efficient, very um, direct, and just puts you right into the action. The opening scene is just... It's great um, getting to know all the characters and then later following them along on this crazy-ass journey. So I think I'll give Shaun of the Dead four and a half out of five stars or four out of five stars if we can't do the half thing. So I don't know what I'm going to watch next time. It's... uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I have to look at my Netflix uh, queue, but hopefully something good. So hope you all had fun re- doing whatever movie you're doing this week, and I uh, hope to see you all soon. Bye. I only have one like um, critique of her critique is it's five out of five stars, Corinne. Come on, it's not four and a half. It's five out of five. This movie is brilliant. Um, 
It's one of my... She, she must have made a mistake. Yeah, Clearly it's always in the, my top ten uh, favorite movies of all time. I don't even know how many times I've seen this movie. Um, but there's lines in it that I just adore. I think the opening scene where he's drunk and hungover walking to the convenience store and then he comes back when, when the zombie apocalypse is happening is one of the most well choreographed shots I've ever seen. I love that opening shot at the bar when it's just um, uh, uh, Liz and uh, Sean talking and they slowly reveal that their friends have been there the entire time. Like, it's just a nice little piece of editing. It's, oh, yeah. It, that and, movie's and, genius, man. You know, I mean, and there's a great piece of editing where he... Um, you know, writes when Liz back and he or he says get his like get life together and he sits down and he puts his head down. And it changes immediately today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you watch the special features uh, on the DVD, Blu-ray, whatever you have, how they wrote the movie is on an easel board and mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing. Um, you know, and there's little things I love when he says get fucked four eyes and he's not even wearing his glasses at that point. There's <laughs> little little bits in the uh, film that are amazing. And uh, I mean, his mom's like butter. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that movie. That's, that's such like even the smallest joke is hilarious. Oh, in yeah. That fucking movie, man. I love it. So yeah, Corinne, great choice. I would say you know if you need more ideas for movies, Shaun of the Dead is definitely one of the best ones. Oh yeah, Brad. I'd ask what's happening around town, but I don't know if anything is. Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. Uh, I'll give you an update on the Esquire. Esquire has an update, and Brad didn't even need his moped. He drove up on the sidewalk with his dirt bag, and he said, Hey, plumbers, take a hike. I need to watch my movies Friday night. And you're bumming me out because I can't watch the room and throw spoons at the screen and watch... Transvestites from Transylvania. That's Rocky Horror Picture Show. Reference, if you don't know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. It's with Tim Curry, who can't really talk right now because he's in a wheelchair because of really a stroke. That's really mean. <laughs> <laughs> That's a horrible joke. How dare so you So for the live show, you have to do like a, a live performance of a song you made up that night. Uh, I'll, uh. I'll do my best. Anyways, Brad, you got an update for us? <laughs> I, I just petered out there because when I realized I'm making fun of Tim Curry, I shouldn't because I like him, and then I just lost all trade of thought. Ryan, well, stop it. Most <laughs> likely never hear this, so you're, you're safe. What if we get a cease and desist from his publicist? Oh, I'd frame it and put you it guys. on my wall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Uh, I drove by the Esquire the other night, and the lobby, the floor is all like, chewed up. like a, mm. They jackhammered it, so... So they probably did have to go back and fix the pipes then. Yeah. Jack Hammer. Uh, at least they're working on it, and they're not just The lobby's all fucked it. up at the Esquire, and Brad's moped can't drive a crowd shit. <laughs> just drive through we- their front doors and just a pretty weak break all the windows. You can't do it, Brad. <laughs> uh, I'm out. Do a bunch of wheelies in the, <laughs> the tiny lobby. Yeah. <laughs> Do mini do- mini donuts, man. Scrape up the countertop, huh? <laughs> I guess it'd be a scooter now. Like mopeds are a thing of the past. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's what's going on around town. Hopefully, you only got like. Hopefully, by the summer they'll have it up and going. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. The Cherry Creek's down, and a lot, a lot of change. A lot of change in the neighborhood. Yeah, I, when I went in to see Stan and Ollie at three thirty, 
I forget that the Sloan's Lake, they put their art house stuff in the really small theater that only seats like 40 people. Mm. And I, I was busy yesterday and my wife was busy and I was running around and I didn't make it to the Alamo till like three twenty, and I, and there was no seats left. And so I was like, fuck, well, watch something else and then I'll go see that. Good for that movie. <laughs> this is movie news. It's real news. Did you guys check out that Spider-Man trailer? I played before, um, <laughs> uh, the kid who would be King. <laughs> they played oh, really? the trailer before it was, Dang. But they changed the at the end where he says, "I mean, Spider." That's one of oh, my favorite. Yeah. Like, that's <laughs> one know. of my favorite in jokes is because Flash Thompson loves Spider Man but hates Peter Parker. He's like, "Oh, what's up, Dickwad?" In the the before uh, the kid would be king, it says, "What's up, Dickwad?" Is this really weird? Like, I don't know if he says Duckwad. This they scrambled it. I guess. Yeah, they just scrambled it. Or mm. what? Well, they just have him go, "Hey, what's up, dude?" Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this looked weird, but. Good for Spider-Man. All this, all this worry over a silly little word, dick. Yeah, it's newsflash. A yep. lot of people have them. I'd say uh, about half. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have so much respect for Spider-Man. Awesome. So, do you guys think that Mysterio is just like using illusions of the elementals, and then he'll uh, be a bad guy? I think he's trying to cloud us from the fact of that he's the actual actual Zodiac killer because Jake Gyllenhaal is involved in this all somehow. Um, he's honeypotting him. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I watched the interview recently. <laughs> <laughs> I find it interesting though that Gyllenhaal's in it because like there was there was a point where he might was in like discussion to replace McGuire because of the whole back problem yeah. thing from the first I mean, one. You show enough some enough money, we'll do anything. Well, it's and there's it's, a big thing around the internet how like hot Gyllenhaal looks as Mysterio. But he looks like Jake Gyllenhaal. He me. looked he looked hot before being Mysterio. I, know, I, mean, like, <laughs> I mean, he's a good looking dude. I mean, he still looks. Is, is, is I mean, it guys, it was the cape. Maybe Does it's that the cape. Yeah, or maybe it's the uh, eyeballs the on his chest. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Chicks and dudes, they both dig the cape. Man. I'm telling you, let's capes make you attractive. I should get a. Cape. I thought it was a car. Oh, oh chicks dig the car. No, that's a Batman Forever uh, uh, joke. Can can I, anybody can there? I, can I get you? Can I persuade you to take a sandwich, sir? Remember how I'll boring Val Kilmer was as. Batman, I do. This is why I Superman works alone. See this book <laughs> in my dreams. I am Batman. <laughs> God, fun, fun soundtrack though. Is there um, news? Yes, there is. I'm waiting for Ryan to finish talking <laughs> about Spider-Man. Um, we got another trailer though this week though coming out of Sundance for Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, which is Zac Efron playing Ted Bundy, and just read a review on that. Really? Uh, from Hollywood Reporter. Oh, yeah, because they screened the film at Sundance, yeah. But, yeah. They, it, they said it was good. Yeah. It looks interesting. Um, I mean, I still haven't watched the the Ted Bundy thing that uh, they put on Netflix, but it's directed by the guy who directed this, which is Joe Berlinger, who did the Paradise Lost films and uh, most recently the um, – Ted Bundy. <laughs> well, Ted – well, he did the – he did one on the Clutter, Clutter Family from the uh, – yeah. Col- He Cold also Blood did uh, Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows. Yep. Oh, and uh, Whitey, the uh, the – the Whitey Bulger documentary that's better than Black Mass. Um, so, but yeah, he looks he looks great in the yeah. film. Like, I'm I'm very curious to see this, um, to say the very least. Um, we got some more images from Hobbs and Shaw, and the masculinity meter on this is off the charts, guys. Like, I don't know how more more quote unquote manly you can get than these images of the <laughs> rock. The rock just straight up like looking like he's about to rip someone's head off with his own teeth. 
Like, Jesus Christ, man. And then there's, like, other people, like, bowing to him. Like, God damn it. I, I'm, I gotta say I'm excited for this fucking movie. Um, Kevin Smith, um, who was mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, his new film, Jane Silent Bob Reboot, has been acquired by Saban Films. Um, so, cool. That means they're gonna actually roll on this sucker, which... I'm interested to see what he does with it. Also through Universal, which is interesting because they did Mallrats, so maybe this will inspire some Mallrats sequel. Hmm. That'd be awesome. Maybe. Stuff. I mean, he already had, he'd already explained he had issues even talking to anybody to get interested in that TV show. So Yeah. They seem interested in Jane and Bob reboot, so yeah, maybe, might, be, might be the foot in the door. Yeah, maybe they'll compel people to uh, give him some stuff to do. Uh, uh Edgar Wright's going to be making another film, and it's going to be a straight-up psychological thriller, as um, they're calling it. Um, He's said, a hell of a filmmaker. You know, I, I don't know if you know this. He made a wonderful movie called uh, The World's End and uh, Shaun of the Dead. And, and Scott Fuzz Pilgrim versus The World. And um, Baby Driver. And, um, uh, yeah, all those great films. Um, Fistful of Fingers. Fistful of Fingers, yeah. <laughs> um, but the film, he it's described as a straight-up psychological horror thriller in the vein of films like Don't Look Now and Repulsion, which... That sounds interesting, cause like it's my favorite movie titles ever. Yeah, repulsion. <laughs> repulsion. Well, you wouldn't like the person who directed. I know. It. That's why I've never seen. Because <laughs> that repulses me to think of watching a movie by him. Yeah, I know. But anyway, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what does the psychological thriller, and apparently it's very London centric, which is um that that'll be fun to actually see him. You no, know, if I was thinking too, if I got one of those uh, movies like scratch off game board things that uh, that's been going around, yeah, and I got to Rosemary's Baby, I just watched the remake. <laughs> <laughs> with Fandy Newton <laughs> would that come out like 2015 I think it was a made for TV thing too it, yeah it must be I, I have to have to like I remember vaguely hearing about go this. back into my brain and um, but so anyway uh, we also got some images from uh, Quentin Tarantino's new film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood looks very 60s yeah and uh, we're, we're, we were all wrong Al Pacino's just playing an agent he's not going to play Manson which sucks but whatever. I mean, I don't want to see Al Pacino play Marilyn. Manson. I thought it would have been hilarious. I mean, Charles Manson. No, there's nothing funny about Charles Manson. There's something funny about Al Pacino playing Charles no, Manson. Charles Manson funny. Um, but Margot Robbie looks great as Sharon Tate. Um, and I love the I love, love the uh, the the image right here of Leo with the fucking uh, rifle for F. Leo. What they call the show the FBI. So um, it'll be fun. I mean, I'm. I'm down for this uh, movie and to see what he does now. Um, Oscar nominations were announced. Black Panther nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> I don't understand. Why do you have so much disdain for the Oscars? I don't get it. Uh, no, I hate how important people make them. Uh, you don't like celebrating film? I do, but um, <laughs> like when people that. treat like their opinions as facts about it, it's just like, so. No, like, oh, this movie should have been nominated. Like, should it? That's, like, your, that's your opinion. Mm-hmm. That's you, you don't get to decide yeah. like unless you're in the academy and so it's it's not up to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um yeah man like every everybody's like being in like the biggest like gripes that I had heard was that there was no nominations for films directed by women which does Direct suck. movies. Well, they've made a lot of great movies this year that's the issue is that not it's, good enough. it's not it's not their issue it's the studio not promoting it because they either don't have Do the money have to or they promote it for people not to know about the movie. That's well. You, this is all big. You it's all big management game. So yeah, you don't get nominated on quality. You get oh, nominated because the studio's campaign. Yeah. So it's, I'm well aware. I'm just being an asshole. <laughs> I'm just trying to explain it to people listening. Is like they look at all the films they release that year and they they pick the one that they think has the best chance of winning, 
and then they just bombard people in all de- departments of the academy that vote buy on my it. book buy my book yeah to try to just you know just so they just you know screeners and all kinds of perks and it's, it's not about like oh this was the best film no i agree yeah yeah but, but if they were smart they would if they wanted to keep attracting an audience yeah that's why they're dumb they need to they need to because change their model and uh, exactly you know, nominate movies Here's... that people want to watch win Here's the thing: Is there really a better made movie than Infinity War? I mean, when you think about it's, it's not quantifiable anyway. No, like, what's it, better made? Like no, but I mean, when you think about everything that came together, how the movie was made, the actors involved, everybody likes it. To me, that is should be in the conversation of one of the best movies. Correct? Yeah, it's it's a tremendous achievement. Yeah, on all fronts. I'm just saying. It it it's a great. I'm I'm excited that Black Panther. That's why when it. something like Green Book wins, everyone's like, "What?" Well, I mean, if it, I I I have no doubt, unfortunately, that it, it's either that or Roma. I'm I'm pushing for Roma. And yeah, over Green they Book. think Roma, you know? huh? Roma's really good. <laughs> and also, it's Netflix like making a stand of like, hey, something that you can actually watch and not have to go out to the theater. Which I get that, but I'd rather you go to the theater. But whatever. But I guarantee um, if you read someone a list of. You know, winners for the past twenty years, the best ofs. A lot of those movies are pe- movies that people have forgotten about or have like I fallen agree. by the wayside. So yeah. it's just like I agree. when people get all upset, like, oh, you know, sorry to bother you, didn't get nominated or whatever. It's like it's probably better off. Yeah, because <laughs> it's gonna have a like Spielberg. You'll find said, cult status. Spielberg said that in twenty eleven when he announced the best picture for uh, the King's Speech. He's just like like the the winner will go on the ranks of this this and this and the loser will go on to the ranks of such films as Citizen Kane or Saving like, Private Ryan Saving Private or something like that like he didn't say his own movie but that would have been hilarious <laughs> if he did <laughs> yeah. that's funny you reminded me that 2002 Chicago one mm-hmm. which is like a remake and then uh, it's tech it's do, like, I never hear remake. people really it's not like in the zeitgeist but Lord of the Rings Two Towers is mm-hmm. yeah like. There's a whole Return of the King is probably the one that's still discussed. Well, that's the most. what I mean. Like, it is <laughs> if we're talking about the Return of the winners. King is a huge crowning achievement in filmmaking. Mm-hmm. I know, I agree. No, I'm saying that that's the only one out of the like recent memory. Like, the only reason we talk about the Crash one is because we're pissed about it. <laughs> but, um, but again, it's I, like I, none, I none of this is quantifiable. When you're like people, that, that's what gets me is like people are so upset that you can't get the movies they don't like don't get nominated. It's like. You can't get upset because at the end of the day, you, movies are interpretive art. So, yeah, yeah. which is somebody's golden goose is someone else's gray gander. Right. Yeah. But and the I, students themselves don't even like yeah. nominate based it's, on it's, merit. It's all know, about it's, it's, campaigning. Money. It's money. Like that's why Bohemian Rhapsody is there. It made a lot of money. That's why they're all there. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if I mean Bohemian Rhapsody made a lot of money, and just because critics doesn't like doesn't mean the audiences don't if you look at the audience where i think it's like 92 percent. i know that's 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 why like at first i was like i wasn't surprised when i saw it especially after the golden globes but i'm like i i don't i don't care for bohemian rhapsody but like i i love that people are enjoying it and going out to the theaters paying fucking love that movie yeah throwing down the ticket money for it but like you know like i mean like and like i wasn't the biggest fan of green book but green book's not a terrible movie i understand there's issues with it but like it's people's decision and whatnot I mean, like, and Roma's really good. I'm glad to see it getting recognition, but... Spider-Man Far From Home just be better nominated next year. I'm going to burn that fucking <laughs> academy to the ground. And also, too, overall, I just feel like the list is kind of boring. Like, yeah, I it's agree. kind of the same five movies throughout all the categories. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's just kind of silly when there's hundreds of movies made a year. Yep. 
Um, but anyway, um, the reason I, I actually brought up the nominations other than the Black Panther nomination, which I think is a huge achievement. No, I think it's movie's, awesome. Yeah, the movie's amazing. I wish Coogler had gotten nominated for director, but whatever. Um, the uh, the other thing, though, is, is that so the ceremony is going to have no host. And now they're telling us that there's not going to be... Hashtag no host. <laughs> hashtag no host. Uh, Ryan, you should host it. Um, you're I'll good do at, it. You're good at hosting things. Um, but uh, the uh, I'm, I'm going to go out and do a new rendition of I saw your boobs because I think that's the greatest moment in Academy Awards. <laughs> hey Seth, remember this. <laughs> um, but the other thing is, so um, traditionally at the Oscars, you play the songs that are nominated for best song. You have people perform them. There's only going to be two this year, which is going to be "Shallow" from "A Star Is Born" and "All the Stars" from "Black Panther" by Kendrick Lamar. So you won't hear "Where the Lost Things Go" from Mary Poppins or "When a Cowboy Trades His Spurs for Wings" by. Tim Blake Nelson, which would have been an amazing moment at the Oscars. Anyway, so yeah, we're not going to get normal performances. So this is going to be a different looking Oscars this year, like even more different than 30 years ago when they didn't have the host and it was just like Rob Lowe singing the Snow White and shit. Nice. So um, they have a host. Fucking put Emily Blunt up there and just have her entertained. Speaking of which, can she see her dance and sing? She is so amazing. This is an I up- love that woman. This is an update. Like literally, as of like uh, like an hour ago, she won SAG for Best Supporting Actor for A Quiet Place. She should. She's so, awesome. So, but she wasn't nominated for anything this year, which is shocking. But it's all right. She's still amazing. Yep. Oh, I agree. Um, can you imagine that? <laughs> can you imagine that? I like trying to imitate. I, I do a terrible job at it, but I just like the way she says, can you imagine that in the song? Yep. She's amazing. Um, so, yeah. Have I mentioned um, how much I love Emily Blunt. I'm pretty sure if I wasn't married to my wife and she wasn't married to John Krasinski, she'd date me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, Ryan. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh, last piece of news. Um. Uh, there's uh, so I mean, nobody's more beautiful than my wife. Let me get that straight. But <laughs> if there was another one, I'm just saying, if some nanny could take me in a bathtub and scuba diving, I'm down. So uh, yeah, and then the last piece of news: uh, Wonder Woman three could be the uh, like the end of Patty Jenkins' run with Wonder Woman. So basically, it's going to be like a Dark Knight esque. Finally, give it to a male director. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just, it's looking like, uh, cause she was doing an interview for I am the night, that TNT thing, which yeah. I want to see. looks pretty fucking yeah. awesome. Um, she's like, I, she's, she's like a talented filmmaker. Her quote is, I have pretty clear, clear plans for wonder woman three, whether I direct it or not. Um, oh, I see I'd how the arc, if she didn't see how her arc should end in my incarnation of wonder woman. I have great passion for that. So, so yeah, she looks like she's, she's committed to it for the most part. So wonder woman showed up on my 2016 top films yep. of the year. Because uh, it is. And yeah, uh, that's news. Nice. We also watch movies throughout the week in a segment I call We Watch Movies in Cineplexes and at Home, sometimes in 4K and sometimes in streaming. What we've been watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Zach? Um... Uh, not a lot. I've been continuing the Star Trek um, Next Generation binge, um, so I'm about halfway through season two. Boring. Not really. It's pretty interesting to watch this show try to get its leggings. Because um, I mean, I hope like, it makes it. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> I hope it gets picked up for another season. You know, I I, I feel like I feel like it's a show that can go for seven seasons. At yeah, least. exactly seven. <laughs> and then I think they'll make about like four movies, and then everybody will get really angry yeah. at the last one. And you could spin it off into two other series, I think. Yeah, Most likely. I think you could. Yeah, and then I think the guy who's playing the captain would really go on to play a mutant at some point. Like it just 
It all seems. Oh, that guy looks just like Charles Xavier from no fucking X-Men way comics. We should cast him. He should get the part. Um, no, done totally. Um, also, like, but yeah. So a bunch of the. Can episode- I tell you how ripped he is and fucking the? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he awesome. he's, yeah. He's fucking. He was. He's ripped on this on these early seasons, man. Like he looks. He's a handsome man. Um, but like among the episodes I watched though, and I was um, thinking about like how this show doesn't necessarily like show its eightiesness too much. Um, in these first couple seasons, but like straight up one of the episodes, uh, where a, a rogue, uh, star or starship pilot, um, gets taken aboard the enterprise and whatnot and is being humorous with data and data is trying to learn what humor is. So he goes into the holodeck and gets comedy lessons from Joe Piscopo and it's fucking weird. Um, and then at one point, uh, Whoopi Goldberg on that show plays Guinan who's, um, like works, uh, runs the bar. And she goes into the holodeck with Data, so it's Data, Whoopi Goldberg, and Joe Piscopo, and I'm just like, this is late '80s as fuck. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, and then, but it's getting there's some good episodes um, along the way and whatnot. I'm not a big fan of Doctor Pulaski, but she's part of some good episodes, so it kind of sucks. But whatever, I mean, like she's she's all right. She's not crushing. She's my favorite character on the episode. Y- you've series. never watched this damn show. <laughs> uh, I've seen a few of them. What would you knew about? <laughs> damn it. What would you know about the late 80s? You weren't there. I'm just saying. Some of us lived them. Yeah. You know what? I, you're right. I'm sorry, old men. I'm going off of my archaeological digs. Yeah, get off my lawn. Yeah. <laughs> um, Back in my day, we didn't even have high definition. <laughs> high definition. Back in my day, we watched Star Trek in syndication. <laughs> Why did I just sound like Tosh Jesus, Nossler? you sound fucking old. <laughs> There's so many ostriches. <laughs> Where are all too many ostriches? <laughs> 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 um, uh, uh, I did a fitness cinema session again. Um, so this time I did Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part One because that's what was playing there. It's a good movie. Uh, total time two hours and twenty one minutes, seven point zero eight miles, twelve hundred and eighty nine calories. Um, good job, Zach. Rewatching the movie again. Um, I actually like this part. Like this. This like part one a lot more than I did the first time. It's dark. Well, it's not only dark, but it's just beautifully shot, well acted, well staged. Um, like I like part two for emotional reasons, but part one's like, it's, it's really compelling and it's really good. Like, I don't know. The first time I saw it, I was just like, ah, oh, it sucks. Yeah, that they you split that this James, up. you're wrong about Harry Potter. <laughs> We're not wrong about fantastic beasts, but he's wrong about Harry Potter. Um, uh, but, um, but no. And then, um, uh, you forget about how many people they like got in it for the last one. Like finally, Bill Nighy is allowed to be in a Harry Potter movie, but he gets killed within the first twenty thirty minutes. Uh, Reese Fons uh, does a great job in it, telling the tale of the uh, of the uh, the Elder Wand, and um, the, still the scene with Dobby is heartbreaking, and it's shot very well when he's dying on the beach, and Harry's like, "Get me something, I need help," and whatnot. Which actually, part one has a great like story structure in terms of just being its own thing. Like it does manage to be its own thing pretty well. Part two kind of does, but I think it relies heavily on part one. Well, it does. does. I mean, part two is a climax. Right. But like, but the idea would be to make these each individual part, like stand on their own somehow. Like end game is going to do it fine because there's a beginning, middle and end in infinity war and whatnot, even though there is stuff to pick up later. But like, it's just interesting to see how the two parters kind of split this, but yeah, um, part two is playing on um, on Tuesday night, so or on Tuesday throughout the day. So I'm probably gonna do the 
uh, the next so session. So we just like there. load it on there? How no, does they, that work? So they, it's in a big room. They put it on a big screen like through a projector. So it just starts like, at certain times? Yeah, it's just like digital files. Like So it just goes on a loop starting at 5 a.m. when the gym opens until 12 uh, a.m. when the gym wow, closes. That's cool. So, um, so yeah, I went in there and then like you have to reset the treadmill because it stops at an hour. Mm. So like I'll do squats while I'm waiting for it to re- reset itself yeah. and then I just go back and keep doing it. Um, so yeah, uh, there was that. Um, I saw the documentary "They Shall Not Grow Old," Peter Jackson's uh, World War One uh, restoration. Effort. I heard they're re-releasing it in bigger, more theaters. Yeah, that was a piece of news, but I was gonna save it for this moment. They're expanding it to 500 theaters, so there is a chance to now go see this in the 3D. I didn't get to see it in the 3D. I want to. Uh, this film's fucking incredible. Um, Alamo's bragging that they have it now too. So that's great. Then I will go to the Alamo for it. If uh, I don't think they have 3D though. So. Well, then I will go to them. I'll go to this again and again. Like this is a great restoration effort. Um, the film, like it's, we don't get to the footage that they're really touting in the trailer until about 20 minutes in. So for the first hour, though, it it's it's a documentary, so it shows you like through the experience of. Different soldiers being interviewed for the BBC, they lace in that audio with with the footage that they've been restoring and um, give you a sense of what it's like to go into war, like when you join the army and at that point and stuff like that in the in the British Army. And then once they drop you into the battlefield, that's when they get into the restored footage. And it looks it looks amazing. And like the only thing that I had a problem with when this movie was being talked about, like in trailers being shown was like. Well, should you be colorizing this and stuff like that? And Peter Jackson's argument about the modern audience and how do you restore this? Like, he doesn't, like, say, like, I changed this permanently. He just said, like, this is what I'm doing for my film. So, like, he still restored the footage in general. I would also say that it's important to preserve that history. Right. So restoring it. Yeah, is everything. Co- it needs to be restored, right? But the colorization element, I guess. Yeah, no, even the colorization. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's tricky. It's a tricky area because, like, we we tried to have an yeah. issue with this with Ted Turner in the '80s, but like, there I go talking about the '80s again. But, I don't know what. But happened there's then. a good way to restore stuff with color, and there's a bad way to do it. Yeah, I know. No, I agree. And he did this one perfectly because it is historical footage, and mm-hmm. his one of his arguments was like, well. If if you're working in news, uh, news like newsreels and stuff at the time, or just like battlefront photography, you'd want to have the color film, like you would want the most realistic possible for whatever the War Department would use for that image. <coughs> so, um, and he, there's a 30 minute thing at the end of it, at least for the NCM thing, where he talks about the process of doing the whole film, and it's pretty incredible. Like I had never seen. An audience like, and I went to a full audience. Like, I'd never seen them so engrossed in a BTS documentary before. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and and the doc's great. There's one scene that's particularly hard for me to sit through because it's a because it's like still photographs with a lot of bullets flying through, and so the sound is enhanced. And World War One was awful. Yeah. So like, but it's it's an incredible film. I recommend you go see it in the theater. I'm definitely. I want to see it, it in the 3D. Yeah. I think I was reading that Alamo's having one 3D showing a day. Ooh. Mm, so. Yeah. Ryan, let's go. Let's go watch a World War One. I'm, I'm totally down. <laughs> um, but finally, I got Ryan to see a documentary in the theater. Um, I see him every once in a while. Yeah. You saw "Won't You Be My Neighbor," right? Mm-mm. Oh. Oh. Well, it, it, every once in a while. Every once in a while, someone Ryan. did a documentary on Sam Raimi. He'd go, "Fucking a." 
Sam Raimi uh, and Spider Man. Oh, my and gosh. Stan Lee. Oh my gosh! All being interviewed in the same room. With the Rod Stewart soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and at the end, Night of the Living Dead happens. Sweet. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, that's all I watched this week. Nice, Brad. Uh, I didn't watch a lot. Mostly, um, uh, Rift Tracks is on Amazon Prime, so I watched a lot of old <laughs> shitty movies with Did you get funny to the commentaries. Ice cream bunny yet? I did. I kind of half watched it. And I think I it was like the last one I watched, so I fell asleep during it. And like I said, you need to watch the second half. <laughs> yeah, because um, the ice cream bunny doesn't show up until the literally the fucking end of that movie. Yeah, I think I was watching it being like, does this even have like anything that's on the poster at this point? Yeah, it was weird. It well, it's uh, you, you need, read a read a read a read about it a little bit. It's interesting. The story about it is interesting. Um, but uh, the. The interesting part I found binge watching that many of them. Like I, wa- I think I've watched all the ones that are free on Prime at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could play a drinking game with Thrift Tracks because they kind of go back to the same jokes. Uh, interestingly enough, like um, yeah, they repeat jokes like on MST3K. Yeah, but it's like weird. This like each episode had a Nick Nolte like reference, and each uh, episode had like a high mark. Room reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, oh, yeah. They'll they'll dip back into their catalog every so often. Yeah. Um, um, the Nick Dolte one on the Plan Nine one is one of my favorites, where he's just like, "This will soak up in the morning vomit." <laughs> but the the best like darkest joke was uh, for there's a movie called Future Force starring David Carradine, uh-huh. and he's like this cop in the future, um, and he's uh, it's the opening of the movie, and he's fighting like these two guys who are like joyriding, right? Um, and then they get into a fight. And then they knock David Carradine on the ground, and one of the the gang members goes, uh, "Are you ready to die today?" And then they they voice David Carradine saying, "Like, are you kidding? That's what gets me off." <laughs> so, That's terrible. And then Kevin's like, or Bill's like, "No, Kevin, don't say that." <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. David Carradine hung himself in his closet. Trying to <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, thank you for reminding me. Yeah. By jacking off. Yeah. Did I talk about Holmes and Watson last week? No, you did not. Okay, yeah, I, I felt like I watched that, like, it early feels, after the it, podcast. Don't worry, yeah. it feels like it was ages ago that we had to discuss it. Yeah, <laughs> so I finally watched Holmes and Watson. Um, it's not as bad as people made it out to be. Um, it's It certainly feels like they had an outline of a movie, and then they just made it up and shot yeah. it. Because, um, yeah, like, there's parts where they're just eating onions, uh, like they're apples. The action itself is funny. It's just like, why is it here, though? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, there's something else about it. Yeah, it's, it's just kind of silly. Yeah. Um, it's been in development hell for a while now, so I'm amazed it got made finally. Yeah, I had a couple of good jokes, and I forget they were at this point. But, yeah, it, it wasn't like an abomination. Um, and then... The next thing I saw was Destroyer with Ooh, Nicole, Nicole Kidman. Kidman. Yeah, and that movie's getting a lot of buzz with about her makeup and everything, uh, like looking old and uh, like emaciated. Gross. Yeah, like she did drugs. <laughs> but probably the more amazing part is what they're not talking about is how they make her look younger for the flashback stuff in the movie because she looks like like Batman Forever, Days of Thunder, like. Let me have the car. Let me have the car. They make her look like Chase Meridian young. Yeah, I mean, she's like 50 right now. So even without the old makeup on for like her older character, um, like she looks younger than her 50s in the flashbacks. It's it's crazy. She looked about like 
uh, 2000s young for Aquaman for those flashback sequences. So. Yeah, but she looks even younger than it's, than that. And it's, it's, it's nuts. Wow. Well, uh, you well. have to see it. I want to see it. Uh, but overall, it's a pretty good movie. Um, uh, it's about she's a cop uh, or detective. And uh, this event, she used to work, I think, for the FBI or the CIA as an undercover agent. Mm-hmm. And this one case she was on, you know, went bad and totally de- destroyed her life. And the cool thing about the movie is, that, like, you don't just explain that. It unravels as you go. Um, so you kinda, you're figuring it out as she's trying to... Uh, um, it's directed by Karen Kusama, who... You were talking about The Invitation. Yeah. Um, at, which I haven't seen, but, like, this one has a cool... I don't, not a twist, but kind of a surprise at the end because the movie you think you've been watching yeah. is kind of revealed as not by the end. Um, but overall, it's pretty impressive. Like she's a tour de force, nice. playing like an older version of herself and a younger version of self, and th- this mystery that unravels and just all the dark things she has to do in the present mm-hmm. to rectify the past. Because uh, like a dead body shows up and like that instigates, it's like the calling card of this guy who was in that case from years ago, mm-hmm. and so she wants revenge for it, and she like like turns off her phone. She doesn't talk to her partner. She doesn't talk to her higher up. She's just like on this like vigilante crusade, solo crusade. Yeah, yeah, like tracking down all these guys associated with him, and like uh, there's a cool bank heist scene in the middle where it's kind of like heat, um, where she doesn't wait for backup. She's just like Hell yeah. knows the guys in there, and she wants them, so she. Nice. Takes like a AR-15 out of her trunk and just storms the. It, is yeah. it only at Landmarks right now? Uh, I think it's only at the mine right now, but I'm sure it's probably at some AMC somewhere too. Right on, I want to see it. I'm always su- surprised how much the AMC 24 has. Like they even have like weird foreign films you never heard of. Well, they get a lot of Bollywood yeah, like, now. Did you see that Draft House recommends? Oh, it's like my nightmare. <laughs> There's like a new draft. It's like um a slut in a good way. It's this black and white French film. I'm like, oh man. It's brutal. Hmm. Didn't see it before you're standing, Ollie. Okay, just and Jack Benny's a co-star in it, so then <laughs> it's even worse. Um, yeah, so Destroyer is pretty good. Just check it out. Sweet. And yeah, that's it for me. Cool, Ryan. What did you watch? Oh my gosh. Um, so you know, I'm continuing my journey through Cary Grant's uh, filmography. I'm glad you are, Ryan. Uh, I watched Only Angels Have Wings, which is a Howard Hawks film about. Yeah. Um, an outpost in South America that Cary Grant's a like hotshot pilot and he runs it, um, and it's really really good. It's really well made. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Howard Hawks, baby. Yeah, Howard Hawks is a great filmmaker. Um, Gene Arthur is the co-star in it, and uh, Cary Grant doesn't have time for women <laughs> until Rita, Rita Hayworth, his like ex-lover, shows up, mm-hmm. and um, it, it's really well done. It's it's a different kind of role for Cary Grant because there's a little bit of comedy in it. But he's also kind of has a dark side in it where he's trying – his goal is to deliver no matter the cost, uh, mail and stuff. And, I mean, this is 1938, 37. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, aviation's brand new. So there's uh, – the, I mean, the movie opens with one of his best pilots dying in a crash. And he says, well, get back out there and we needed to do these deliveries. Mm-hmm. And so he's uh, kind of ruthless that way. I mean, you still like him, but um, he's – because he wants these new planes. So he's trying really hard to meet these deadlines. Um, and there's a little comedy spring but it's more of a drama. I don't know if you've seen it, Zach. It, uh, I, I it have, shot really well for a, a film from the 30s. I have once, but I, I it's not the Howard Hawks film I watch the most, though. I generally tend to go to, to have and have not. Um, he um, he had a lot of like, it was like a lot of, Hawks did a lot of like, 
don't want to say manly pictures, but yeah. like, like we we call John but, Ford like the tough filmmaker. In but terms I mean, of whether like, it's Red River or something, I mean, he's he is a he's a. I mean, it's he's, he's a tough a, guy. He's a tough as nails filmmaker. Like real Bravo is a yeah. great example. Yeah, yeah, of that. absolutely. Um, but like, yeah, even like anything he did with Bogart, like definitely fall in that rank. And also, Thing from Another World, which yeah. even though it's a sci-fi film. Tough as nails. He, he, like, he's, a, he's a cool filmmaker. And he is. You can tell he was I mean, a bastard, but he was a great yeah, filmmaker. <laughs> uh, maybe it's forty one. I don't know. It's early forties, late thirties, and I mean it's shot really well. They even, I mean, obviously you can tell they're models, but I mean they're using actual planes flying into the valley yeah. and things like that. And it's, um, it's the craftsmanship involved in. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean it's it's really good. Did you watch the Criterion of it? Yeah, because that was like a Criterion that I saw during the sale, and I was like. I wonder if Ryan has this one. Uh, yeah, I got it a while ago. I don't know. I, t- I think I've had it for a while, and I haven't watched it. They've been they've been throwing Cary Grant uh, at that collection like crazy. Well, I'm, it's trying I'm to ex- like I'm happy about it, but because I got those collections where it's you know five DVDs, right? And um, so I'm trying to, um, and I'm almost at the point where I can't get any more of them, and it kind of making me sad. Um, he uh, his early early stuff is kind of lost. There's a lot of uh, either pre code or even post code, but but still like they didn't always take care of stuff where stuff was lost in fires yeah. and all that. So uh, I still have shit. a. <laughs> I think I have. Well, I got this one collection. Actually, Barnes and Noble for some reason has these really hard to find DVDs at the one in Littleton, right? And it's called uh, the Vault Collection. I think it's called, or maybe the Golden Collection. And it's a universal release, so it's really nice. It's the Vault made. series. I have a yeah. couple of them on the shelf. Yeah, right there. and it has five of his films that I've never even heard of, and it's like nineteen, like thirty four and stuff. So yeah, this is so early. my guess is he's probably just a co star in them. Yeah, um, like brings me to my next one, which is uh, Sylvia Scarlet, mm-hmm. which stars Catherine Hepburn. Um, oh no, here we go again. <laughs> and and actually, this is another film where he's different in it. He actually plays a crook, and he's not really a good dude in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't any, seen this one. Uh, so Sylvia Scarlet is uh, Catherine Hepburn and her dad um, are trying to get out of paying taxes, so she dresses up like a boy and she becomes Sylvester. And uh, oh, I've heard of this. I've still haven't so seen it's a kind of a play with Cary Grant um, doesn't really buy that she's a boy, mm-hmm. uh, but they're also trying to like rob people and things like that. Um, and so he's his, what's his name like Joe. Um, monkey or something. I'm not even joking. It's like John Malonkey, something really weird. But he's also um, Cockney in mm-hmm. it, so he has a Cockney accent. And at the end, he uh, kind of does. Uh, he he doesn't do what you expect Harry Grant to do, which is. I mean, it's a it's a it's a good movie. It's not one of his best ones, but um, it's more of because the rest of the movie is just okay. Um, Catherine Hepburn's really good in it. I I think Catherine Hepburn, as I've watched, because she's in I think four Cary Grant films. Uh, she, you can see why she was a big star. She's a good. Or actress. is Cary Grant in four Catherine Hepburn films? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, um, I watched uh, the Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer, um, <laughs> which is really funny. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you could never make this movie nowadays. Oh, in Jimmy it, Jimmy Monkley. Jimmy was, Monkley. Yeah. There we go. Um, uh, in it, he plays an artist who's also kind of a kind of a rap scallion, mm-hmm. um, but he has a heart of gold. And at the the beginning of the film is there's a judge uh, played by, darn it, she's also in the other one I watch. Anyways, uh, so there's a judge and he meets her and um, she's kind of mean to him. She's like, I don't want to see you back in my court. And uh, he says, well, I have to go do a speak at the school. And so Shirley Temple plays like a senior in high school um, and he goes to the school and he's this artist. And he's talking about what he does, painting. And it's really funny. You don't the, the way this is shot. It's um, you don't see Cary Grant at the, the 
the school about to give a speech because there's a podium and he stands up and all the girls start cheering because he's so handsome and he doesn't understand. So he's looking behind him and what they're cheering for and he doesn't get it. And um, so Shirley Temple falls in love with him and he uh, so he goes away and Shirley Temple is so in love with him that she sneaks into his apartment. And when she he comes home, uh, he's caught red handed why he invited this young girl to his apartment to pose for a painting. And his punishment is he has to take her out on dates. I don't know. I sentence you to be my butler. So <laughs> this, their sister, so the judge sister is Shirley Temple. And so so Cary Grant has to take her to a basketball game with her one boyfriend there. Is this mm-hmm. like a 20-year-old judge? No, she's like Cary Grant's age, so like 39, 40. And she has a 16-year-old sister. 18-year-old sister. And uh, <laughs> so, so Cary Grant has to take her out on town. And so he's trying really, I mean... He's trying really hard to like pass her off on her her boy her boyfriend guy who's a basketball player, mm-hmm. and she just can't do. It. It's actually really really funny. Um, it's kind of a screwball comedy, where uh, and then they go to like this picnic where they all play these games, and Cary Grant keeps on not winning until the very end when uh, Shirley Temple's boyfriend helps him and. Of course, you know where it's going to go if you've seen enough of these movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the judge and him start falling in love. Yeah, and. Uh, I mean, you couldn't make it now because you couldn't get away with him going on dates with the, you know, 17-year-old. Um, and, I mean, there's nothing creepy. It's it's just weird, and he knows it's weird, and he doesn't know why he's doing it. Because I guess the judge's theory is that he'll she'll fall out of love with him when right. she sees who he really is. But when she sees who he really is, she just falls more and more in love with him. It's Myrna Loy, that's right. Yeah. Um, Myrna Loy. Yeah, and uh, so the, the best scene is they go to uh, this dinner, and he meets... Uh, the judge for just he's trying to have a romantic dinner with her and it all blows up and they're all talking over each other in classic screwball way. It's right. really fun. I I need to watch. I, I'll need to borrow a lot of your Cary yeah, Grant you can, ones. You can like it's, I I love Cary Grant, but he's not like he wasn't my go to guy as I've said before. But like some of his ones, like you read about him and I'm like, I'm, you'd never make that today. Yeah, it's it's like a road movie with Bob Hope. I'm just like they'd never make yeah, that today. It sucks, right. but they'd never make that today. Closest we get is Family Guy. <laughs> right. Uh the last Cary Grant film I watched, not the last thing I watched, uh, is Mr. Blanding's Builds His Dream House. Oh, yeah. Which that, is, that I have seen. It's a, actually a really cute movie. He mm-hmm. stars with, uh, what's her name? You just said it. Um, anyways. Myrna Loy, yeah. Yeah, so they're a married couple, and they live in this really small New York apartment. And if he wants to fix it, it's going to cost him $7,000. But he's not happy there because uh, everyone's in the shower, and he takes a shower, and all the water's cold. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just really silly uh, humor. And so he decides he goes out to Connecticut and finds this what he calls his dream home. And it's a um, ran down and everyone tells him, just tear it down and build your own home. Mm-hmm. And so as he's doing it, he's losing all this money. And at the same time, he's this ad executive where he's trying to think of a catchphrase for wham. It's a type of ham. Yeah. So he's, it's really goofy. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, not the George Michael, Andrew Ridgely band. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not wake me up before you go. But it's really well done. Um, I always like... Um, Cary Grant when he's a really good dude and he's faced with a challenge right and he just keeps on getting in more trouble um, it's um so I, I a couple months ago I had talked about George Washington slept here which is the Benny film they're very similar ish mm-hmm. and whatnot but Blanding's Bill's his dream home is a direct uh, influence on the film are we done yet which is the Makes sequel sense, to yeah. Are We There Yet? Um, I mean, I've never seen Are so We much Done so yet, that I believe I, it's credited in the credits. It wouldn't surprise me. It's a fun movie. It I mean, is. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it's it. Adorable. Um, I also I wasn't on last week's show, but I saw Glass. Oh boy! And that 
was fucking garbage. Oh boy. Um, yeah. The reason I say that is because I. Because I, I, I found it in the garbage. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I think M. Night Shyamalan is his worst uh, enemy, mm-hmm. where he tries too hard to be too smart. And in the process, he's making like he thinks the audience is dumb, where he's trying to say stuff about a superhero genre, um, which he's just basically contradicting himself constantly. Um, and for a guy who supposedly writes smart stuff, there's a lot of scenes in here where it's telling you what's happening. Mm-hmm. And and here's the thing is every time I build up um, like excitement for Shyamalan, he lets me down mm-hmm. uh, in this film. It starts so I I, I re, Unbreakable is still my favorite Shyamalan film. Mm-hmm. Um, Split I enjoyed. I, I I did I talked to Brad. I did uh, what he he went and saw him in the theaters, but I actually just watched him. So I watched Unbreakable, which I haven't seen in a long time. That's still an amazing film. Um, the, my only critique of Unbreakable is I hate the ending, where it does title card it says like that's stupid. Yeah. But I like his last line. They call me Mr. Clay. Yeah, um, and that song. No, the music. Uh, Jackson is awesome in it. And then you go to Split, and uh, McAvoy is amazing in Split. Uh, his personalities are so unique mm-hmm. that it's easy to pick up. Um, then you get to Glass, and I think it's very interesting at the beginning uh, with the overseer. They call him the overseer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know he's going around and just he's basically doing Spider-Man crimes. He's doing street level stuff. And I I like, you know, his thing with his son that's back in the film. And then, you know, he's looking for the beast, which I guess takes place three weeks after Split. And he finds him and there's this really cool thing where they're fighting. And then all of a sudden it just ends. Like, how do the cops and this doctor know where they're at? Because they're part of a cult. No, <laughs> wait, 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 spoilers. Secret cabal. Oh, I don't uh, give a shit. Um, so, so now that's fine. Okay. I don't I, I can suspend my disbelief for that. Um. But now I have to spend another hour of Sarah Paulson's character telling me that they're not real when everybody knows that they are. And I've just been through two films that tell me, no, they're fucking real. And then I have to put up with Sam Jackson just sitting there in comatose. just going. And so he does have that great moment, though, in the in the in the room with uh, where he slashes the guy's throat. Yeah, it's. Yeah, but I have to wait two hours to get there. I know. I agree. No, it's, um, it's bullshit. And so in two. So. David Dunn is sitting there, and this is a point where I'm watching. And says, "Man, he, Bruce Willis just doesn't look like he cares. Like he's just there." I wouldn't if I had that script. No, I, I like I, my character is just completely, yeah. So tossed aside. In this I mean, movie. He even he rolls in. He's like, "Oh, this guy." I mean, what the fuck? And it, so he's immediately going to believe that he has no like super strength, and we know he does. It makes more sense for McAvoy because he has so many personalities, so he doesn't know which one is going and then you have a light and he changes personalities like this i just oh everything about it just irritated me that science is like another like okay i can suspend that disbelief but some brought up like if sarah paulson really believes that david dunn doesn't have these powers why is the water system set up in that room exactly and and two so i even so the scene where he gets doused in water like bruce willis even look wet they not want to get wet in the movie <laughs> that was driving me crazy because i just revert back to him being a total asshole no nah, no nah, m he calls him m Nah, nah, not the Bruce does get wet. Yeah, and so, Bruno does not get wet. <laughs> so we build up all this thing, and you know, I, I think uh, a lot of people on the uh, reading articles say people are upset because they don't do the payoff for the big battle, and I don't think that's what the problem is. The problem is, is you just spent now I'm spending two hours in a movie where I already know this is real. 
they're telling me that it's not real and then they pull a fucking halloween six where everybody has a tattoo on their wrist where they're a bad cabal it's your game now anna taylor joy <laughs> yeah and, and don't even get me started on anya taylor toy because joy whatever the fuck her name is <laughs> jailer toy <laughs> because so she just endures her friends getting eaten in front of her and overcomes the abuse and, and overcomes it, the abuse and hugs him i'm like come on it's, what is this? Well, like, oh. in Split, she overcomes, like, that abusive one. And then Glass just, like, undermines that completely by going, like, oh, you need a friend. Did, yeah. you, did you listen to last week's episode? None. I haven't yet, no. Because I said, like, I expected her to actually be another super-powered character yeah. in the movie. Um, and maybe, like, compassion is, like, a more cerebral superpower and to And that'd be cool Shyamalan. if they expanded on it. Uh, but, but, but if they don't, like, acknowledge that, it just seems like she's there because she's you know, has sympathy for, for Kevin murder. Wendell. Yeah. Which there's nothing wrong ish really with her like wanting to like have no, that there's foster. S- s- totally something wrong. Well, with no. Him. So here, hear me out though for what he's trying to do though. Like if you're going to introduce that element to it, okay. Like don't have her so eager to go visit her on her own. Like make so, it like, make it like she feels compelled by no, like, here's Sarah what's Paulson stupid about it. it. So it's been three weeks in three weeks time. She's gotten a foster family turned in her uncle and now has this amazing sympathy for Kevin. Right. No. No, I, no, I get it. Because I, I, belie- I don't believe it either. If you either have more time pass and have Paulson come to her or just don't have it at all. Yeah. That's why she should have been a superpowered character because that would have made more sense that like there's yeah. something else driving her to do this. And yeah. then also like thematically, like David Dunn and Mr. Glass are like polar opposites. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the beast is wrath. She could be compassion or whatever. Healing. Healing. Yeah. She and could have healed David Dunn. Randall. <laughs> And, and two, everyone goes out like a bitch. Oh, God. Ugh. So it's so the secret cabal with the tattoos like Halloween fucking six with shamrocks on it. So which is more like Halloween three, <laughs> the silver shamrock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Halloween franchise ripoff. Um, so I, I don't care about it's not about the scale of the fight. I'm telling you the best one of the best moments ever in a Marvel movie is at the end of uh uh, Civil War when um, uh, Baron Zemo is just sitting outside and he's telling him I, I want I don't care I don't need you know you can kill me if you want and it, that's the spectacle isn't what needed it's you have to earn it and and so so David Dunn is super strong but some dude walks up and puts his hand, head in the water and he fucking drowns in a puddle not even like uh, the tank that it, he got it, put in it, it seems like a big fuck you to fans of Unbreakable that's yeah. what it seems and, like. And here's and... the thing is you already knew something was wrong with her. And then they try to play on. So the the twist in Unbreakable when um, Sam Jackson's character says, take my hand. Mm-hmm. is shocking. Yeah. This one, you're like, eh, who cares? So you're the secret cabal who doesn't like. Why is she trying to keep people not having superpowers? Who cares? And she knows he's going to die. Like, why is she trying to tell him this? Yeah. Like, so he goes to his death knowing that. Yeah. And he, right. she did he that? dies by someone holding his head down. Come on, dude. It's so annoying. And then, you know. And I, I hate so Sam Jackson gets his clothes out of you know storage, and he has a Mister Glass like lapel. Where the fuck did that come from? Yeah, I know you didn't have it. No, nineteen years ago no, when you got I put away. Really, just watched that hey, movie. You know what? In the institution, they may have an arts and crafts room. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, if, if you sedated for so long, like, also, ha- so they don't explain like how the sedation isn't working on him. Yeah, and then also, how does he get out of the rooms without the key cards? Yeah, and there's only two dudes in the whole fucking hospital. Everything's well, under that ex- wing, I guess. Everything's underexplained in that film. It's stupid. And like, and and also like, and I didn't bring this up last week, but like, so 
why is Anna Tyler Joy like hanging out with them? They don't explain like so it's like or how they all just randomly show up. At yeah, the end. or like at the at, at the train station specifically in that final shot, I'm just like, did, did she what? Did she have a secret meeting with Mr. Glass's mom and young Randall? Like I don't. It's and it, here's the thing is I think Shyamalan thinks he's smarter than he is, and it's really and, and you watch so uh, Brad you can attest it. So you watch Unbreakable and you see a filmmaker total confidence. He knows what he wants to shoot. There is no scene in Split. Or in glass that is as moving and as uh, well thought out and planned as the opening shot of Unbreakable, where it's just David Dunn talking in a train, where it's one continuous shot with the female person. Yeah, there's nothing like that in those movies. You can tell the filmmaker either doesn't have money or doesn't have confidence in himself. Well, he doesn't yeah, have as much as he did for Unbreakable. Yeah, in the Q and A, two things I didn't mention last week. Uh, in the Q and A, his wife is a psychologist, mm-hmm. so that's why he's always writing movies. Like he says, all of his movies are about the mind. Okay, so there's that. And then also, yeah, Blumhouse, I think Unbreakable's budget was like 80 or or $100 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was 20 so less opportunities to do cool stuff. And, and then also, what was the fucking third thing? Shit, I lost my train of thought. But he's, even if you don't have that much money, how much money does it cost to do oh. a shot like that? Also, he wrote the script based on the location. So... Which is because of the budget, like yeah, they found this this mental funny. hospital. So the whole story is written around the fact that like this is all we can do. It's not like he wrote the script and said like, "Oh, how are we going to do this? We can't take it out." It was straight up like, "Well, it's probably all going to take place in the hospital, so I got to write for the hospital." And that's cool. That's fine, but he he doesn't. I mean, how much money does it cost to just move from person to person? I'm not saying he has to do the same shot, but yeah, and there's it, a, yeah, he doesn't have the same creative. Because also in Unbreakable, there's like the shot, like the cameras attached to the the weights that he's pumping oh yeah Yeah. when you said that i was like oh man that is and there's i I just don't buy it and again it's but also like the the dp for unbreakable is like this famous like i think italian cinematographer and for unbreakable or for glass he uh said that he's like he's like working with students and new upcoming talents and stuff so there's just like that that's that's cool but so the, the level of talent isn't the same. Yeah, I, I think he just insults audiences constantly. So he can he goes from Sixth Sense, which is a great film, to Unbreakable, which is a great film, and then he's going to do Signs, which is stupid, and then he goes from Signs to The Village, and it's stupid, and then he does he also Happening. Said, it's the stupid. Lady in the we also says like Glass is like a love letter to superhero movies. I'm like, I watched this movie, and I feel like this is a guy who hates superheroes. Exactly. Um, or either that or you're badly mocking people who hate superheroes. Or hasn't movies. watched a superhero movie in ever 19 years. Yeah. It's, he's run out of things. I, every time he builds up goodwill with me, he does something like this. Because when the characters are running around saying like, and this is the part in comics where they do this, it's like, oh we just watched like 20 years of Marvel movies. Like, yeah. yeah, you don't have to tell us. This is the meetup or whatever the hell. The limited edition. And it's an origin story. And, and, and Sam Jackson is great in it. What literally has to do when he's actually in it, he's good. Yeah, for McAvoy what, minutes. Is, <laughs> McAvoy is good. Yeah, Bruce McAvoy's Willis good. looks like he doesn't want to be there. Anna Taylor Joy for the for the shitty part she's given is good. She's good. It's in and Sarah Paulson's dialogue is just too stupid for her to be. I, I don't know what Sarah Paulson's. Well, she's she's got dumb dialogue, but also yeah. she's making an acting choice. She's just a smart actress, but I don't know what the choice is. So also you're gonna call the movie Glass, and then Sam Jackson shows up in the finale, basically. Yeah, it's almost this, it almost feels. Like he was the most expensive actor, and they couldn't get him for as much. Time. <laughs> or or busiest, I would say even. Or busiest, or, whatever well, it is. Well, but money still, wise, like he's the guy who was always like yelling at Shyamalan on the on the lot, being like, "When are you gonna make that Unbreakable sequel?" Yeah. 
So I, I can't imagine he didn't want to do no, it for and the you money. No, he's not going to do it for money. But uh, I think he painted himself painted himself in a corner when he put David Dunn at the end of Split, and he tried to figure him, him a way out of it, and it didn't work. Well, he said that part of this was planned, but honestly, I would have rather seen a Split two and just remove Jackson and Willis from the equation if you're going to waste him like that. Because I would have, I would have rather, I would have rather seen Anna Taylor Joy by the end of Split and whatnot, and going into Split Two, like something occurs where she unfortunately has to revisit Kevin, and then that's where you make that whole fucking empathy connection or whatever. Yep. But so whatever. whatever. Um, moving along, I uh, I watched The Kid Who Could Be King, um, which is a little fantasy film. It's really good. It's a cute movie about um, this little kid who finds a sword, pulls it out, and by doing Excalibur. so, uh, yeah, Excalibur. Um, not as any sword. Yeah. Uh, well, is it Excalibur? I don't know. I've watched the movie. Oh. Um, it, it, it's, the trailer it told me that it was. To those in need. Oh, wait, that's the sword of Gryffindor. Uh, so uh, he pulls out Excalibur in a stone that was built around um, uh, like an apartment complex that was torn down. And by doing so, he actually unleashed uh, Morgana, who's coming back up. Do they explain why the construction workers were like, hmm, this might be the Arthurian sword. Should we just build some walls around it? <laughs> no, it's... Uh, no. Um, it's fun. It's a cute movie. It's it, probably a toy. <laughs> um, it, my Kellen loved it. Uh, it's it's definitely one of those um, kid movies that is a, not quite mature enough to be scary, but it's mature enough where it's not stupid. Um, the kids are really great in it. Uh, Andy Serkis's kid is the lead in it, um, and he has a a great line with his mom towards the end. Um, a great little moment. Uh, so yeah, so it's just kids who find Excalibur and um, Merlin shows up, who is a young kid until, um, but is really actually Patrick Stewart. Um, and he also is an owl. It, it, I mean, they play on the Arthian, uh, Arthian legend a lot. It's really fun. Um, it's one of those movies where you just watch, and, oh, this is a fun movie. I mean, it's not going to change your life, but it moves pat, by really fast. Um, I think it's two hours, but it's an adventure movie. If you if you miss kid adventure movies, I recommend it. I want to see it. I I, I want to see it. If if we hadn't have picked on the film or picked the film that we were going to do this week, I would have been more than happy to see it. But. Yeah, it's good. Um, and the last thing I watched is I saw Vice. Um, mm-hmm. which it, it's a fun movie, but the difference between Vice and The Big Short is I like the characters in The Big Short, <laughs> and this one you you just get mad at them. Oh yeah, there's and, a lot of people to hate in Vice. <laughs> and so when you when you watch a, a a movie where Dick Cheney is the main character, and hey, Christian Bale is phenomenal in this movie but you I mean he's a piece of shit so you're sorry dick cheney you're watching it and you go oh yep that happened um i felt like the storytelling was like really messy compared to the big short like yeah it, it's it tries I, too hard to it, like it try, be clever it, it tries it, it feels like it's a sequel to the big short where they have the same um because i mean i think the scene where they're in the diner and they're explaining what they're going to do and how they're going to get around constitutional law is really funny how they're ordering food, they go, oh, let's not oh, call yeah. it torture, let's call it enhanced interrogation. Yeah, Alfred Molina part. Yeah. We'll take all of it. Like, I like that part, um, and I like the part where uh, he says that Donald Rumfeld could say anything and it's, it would work. He's like, I don't go out there and, or no, uh, Dick Cheney. He's like, and we'll just show our dicks and be puppets. Because he's not really saying that, but they're just proving a point. I think that stuff's really funny. Mm-hmm. But again, you're dealing with, I, I guess if I wasn't really affected by the financial crisis or the housing market, but the characters in it are a little more fun. Um, in this one, you're just like, oh, these are really bad dudes. Except like George Bush. And it's just, <laughs> just clueless. It's just clueless. Um, 
and you know, you watch this and you go, "Wow, oh, Sam Rockwell is nominated for Academy Award." I'm not sure what he did to earn it. <laughs> not that he's not good in it, but it's just he's there. He's not in it enough to, I think, justify yeah, uh, the nomination. I uh, think Christian I, Bell is for sure. Um, well, yeah, him and him and Adams. Adams is great in it too. Yeah, uh, yeah, the, the movie's good. I, I mean, his his uh, cadence and his uh, tone with Cheney is spot on. Mm-hmm. It's really creepy. It's scary how good he is. Um, in it. So it, it's 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 a good movie um but it's not a great movie um we're surprised like 15 minutes in when they finally like do the title card yeah you're like oh thought we were past this already yep because it it is because they take a lot of time to build that up and it's because you're right it's kind of messy because it starts with him being drunk and getting in a fight then it shows 9-11 and then it shows him like at the white house and then it goes back to him getting pulled over and stopped for drunk driving if i can remember correctly yeah and then it cuts to like getting in with Rumsfeld early on. His yeah, yeah, talking to Rumsfeld. And then it, yeah, because then he does an intern with Rumsfeld. And then it cuts to the 70s style title cards. And you're like, oh, okay. And then it goes back to him being drunk. It is really all over the place. It's, um, it's an interesting editing style, and I don't know if it works in the way it did in the it big short. It seems like it's a movie I need to watch again. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to run out and buy it or anything, but. It's good enough where it warrants more than one viewing. Yeah, by the end, I was kind of lost on, like, what his plan was. Like, what yeah. they... I mean, obviously, the results are real, but yeah. I wasn't quite... Like, I wasn't connecting the dots. It was it was going by too fast. So yeah. I was like, oh. uh, it's one of those movies you Looks got. like they're just being shitty, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, and then the tag scene was pretty great. <laughs> that's after the credits that's the guy who says and the liberal media oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait groups. for Furious uh, 9 or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty good. So... Um, it's it's a good movie. I I like the I, scene before that with the credits, like when he's addressing the camera, like that's yeah. that last scene. Like I think that is a brilliantly like dark comedy moment, yeah, like where I, he's I, delivering that like that. I fuck need to you. watch again because I, I it it feels like it's a little too on the nose, um, but again the performance is really good and it, I I want to see it. I have to see it again. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed uh, the kid who would be king more or could be king. I'm just because it's more fun. This one, it's it's a good movie, but again, you're watching it. Wow, these guys are shitty. You know, you can't really get behind. You don't have anybody to root for. Yeah. You know, and it's. I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. Like I, 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 I came away liking George Bush more. <laughs> um, you know, except the like By superimposed <laughs> like Sam Rockwell head on the Mission Accomplished like footage looked really bad, but whatever. Uh, it's it's fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll I'll watch it again. Mm-hmm. Um, Blu-rays come out as well. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Probably head down to your local Amazon to get them. <laughs> Jeff Bezos sets at the counter and goes, how can I take your order today? Remember, half this goes to my wife. <laughs> Remember, uh, oh, uh, that's news. <laughs> I was uh, returning that coffee maker at Best Buy yesterday and the lady doing the returns is like, uh, we, were, we were talking about something and then she interjected with like, by the way, thank you for like still shopping in the store. And I was like, thank you for still being a store I can shop in. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't want to order everything off of Amazon. Yep. Right. Um, uh, the bigger releases this week. Um, Hunter Killer, the Gerard Butler, Gary Oldman film is getting a 4K Blu-ray and Steelbook release. Weirdly. Um, no Steelbook for First Man, but Steelbook for Hunter Killer. I just call it Hunter Killer, Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy. <laughs> 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 uh, but uh. And then uh, also Nutcracker in the Four Realms, which is um, coming out on 4K mm-hmm. Blu-ray and Steelbook inexplicably. Nice. Um, and then Reign of the Superman, 
uh, the new animated DC I like the film. Batman animated films. I can't really get into the other ones. Uh, and like then, New Frontier Justice League is all right. Um, also on Blu-ray is Suspiria, the remake from uh, Luca Guadagnino, which uh, Ryan saw. Um, if you two and a half hours. If you're interested in seeing yeah. it, you can pick it up only on Blu-ray. There will be no 4K because Amazon wants to have the 4K version all to itself. Well, because also, I mean, the 4K could even tell more that Tilda Swinton's the dude in it. Ooh, I didn't think about that. <laughs> uh, Her manners, it, she doesn't. It just it doesn't work when you watch it. Um, all that jazz and in the heat of the night are getting Criterion Ooh, releases on Blu-ray. Ooh, yeah, Cindy Poitier. Oh yeah, they uh, call me Mister Tubbs. Tibbs. 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 Mr. Tubbs? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I forgot Sidney Poitier sells bathtubs right. in, that, in that movie. God. That's right. <laughs> remember that famous quote of bathtubs and salt? <laughs> um, but yeah, and then uh, Shout Select is putting out Suburbia. Uh, so you can pick that up. Nope. Boy Erased is coming to Blu-ray. Ooh, I do want to see that one. Uh, That's and, James's favorite, right? Yeah, he was, it's on his top ten list. That year, number so. two. Um, you can see Glenn Close's um, Oscar-nominated Oscar performance in The Wife in the movie uh, The Wife. 102 Dalmatians. <laughs> That'd be amazing if it was just a retroactive win hey, for show that. some respect. She was the vice president in Air Force One. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. That was a great little thing before Vice that they were showing. Um, they had uh, Who's Number Two, and they had, like, you had to pick the vice president. Like a draft house pre-roll yeah, thing? Like yeah, a, the president, the vice president, what movie they're in. And I had these really annoying people next to me and they go i don't know what what, what movie is that I'm like oh, get off my plane <laughs> i want to say get out of my movie theater but uh and they're then, also nodding along through vice when every time dick cheney did something stupid they're going yep yep like i told you so i told you so from fucking 12 years ago <laughs> it's like yeah yeah i mean like yeah he was a shitty person i totally get it now be quiet and watch this movie yeah. <laughs> um but anyway and then there's a re-release of willow and that's it. That's all for Blu-rays that I see. Nice. Uh, this week on Real Nerds Podcast, we saw Stan and Ollie. Brad, do people see Stan and Ollie? No. What? Just kidding. <laughs> Fine. Uh, de- <laughs> definitely going to see it. It's, it's delightful and uh, everything about it is great. Yeah. Yep. Zach? Oh, this is unfair. Um, you know, I mean, there was no Jack Benny cameo in it, so it automatically gets a zero for me. <laughs> Um, no, this movie's fucking amazing. Um, in, in the simplest way possible, like it's, it's, it shouldn't be as brilliant as I think it, it, as I, as I, as I believe it is, but like it managed to like come out very like perfect for me. So uh, yeah, I would definitely go see it. Uh, yeah, I fucking love this movie more so because Jack Benny's not in it, (laughs) but no, I shots fired. (laughs) No, I, adored this movie. Zach, put down the knife. Um, <laughs> no, and he I, has to learn. Shut the fuck up, Zach, while I talk about this movie. Um, no, I, uh, as I'm watching it, I'll talk about it a little more after we play the trailer, but mm-hmm. there's moments in this movie that brought tears to my eye, and not so much the sad stuff, but I'll talk about how uh, Zach touched on a little bit, how brilliant this movie kind of is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love this movie. Uh, and here's a trailer for Stan and Ollie. Roll sound. Roll camera. Ready, boys? Why, please? Where West Scene 12, take one. How do you feel about the size of the audiences? I've been a little disappointed. And they said, could you persuade Stan and Ollie to do some publicity in order to turn the tour around? Would there be any more money? They said no. Well, who is they? People. 
worst kind. Here we are, the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> How is Oliver? Hmm? He pulling weight? How's your knee? It hurts. It's even pushing you a little too hard, mate. No. You could have a long time ago said goodbye, Oliver. That's all in the past. You're not oh. still carrying that around, are you? Because I went ahead and did a picture with someone else 16 years ago. You and Harry are just going to be great together. I couldn't sleep for days when they told me what you did. And I couldn't sleep when I did it. You betrayed me. Betrayed our friendship. I loved us. You loved Laurel and Hardy. But you never loved me. The doctors told me I can't continue with the tour. My heart won't take it. He asked me, since you were sick, if I wouldn't mind carrying on the show with somebody else. May I introduce to you Mr. Nobby Cook? You're not leaving, are you, Stan? The show must go on. That was pure magic. It's brilliant. We'd like to finish now with a little dance. You sure? I can do it. I'll miss us when we're gone. So will you. How is it now? All this. Do we really need that trunk? To be clear, you didn't cry because of the stuff on screen. It says somebody brought a lot of onions into the theater. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Here's me in the finale. Don't don't cry. Keep it together. <laughs> <laughs> don't um, let these old people know you have feelings <laughs> can't show um, boomers emotions so this is a it, this film is, it would it would probably help to describe the story of it too because yeah. it is a uh, so it's it's based on a book called uh stan and ollie the british tour i think is yeah, it? The, yeah. The, the, UK the uk tour, tour yeah um and it's deals with the end of their career where they're doing this live stage show trying to raise money for Robin Hood. One last hurrah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But it also does a really brilliant job of, I think the opening moments of this film is amazing mm-hmm. where it's one shot of them walking from each stage to stage. Yeah. Where they're kind of, uh, you know, they're in a contract dispute. Well, one of them is uh, Stan Laurel's in a contact, contract dispute with, with the producer. With Hal Roach, yeah. Who's, Played well by Danny Houston, Yeah, in a way. very small role, but very effective. And, like, Hal Roach is a dick, so was. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> it, no, he's still around. Just a dick. <laughs> for, for... What people maybe nowadays don't know, and if someone who, like me, who loves, uh, and Zach, who loves old-timey movies, is, you know, they were all under contract. I mean, Cary Grant... Uh, made so many movies early in his career. I mean, he was making like four or five movies a year yeah. because he's he has to make them because he's under contract. And, and the issue with contract is like if you try to break it, if you at the time, very few people were able to break their they contract successfully. You. Yeah, and the only like, I mean, it wasn't until Olivia de Havilland's big yep. thing with the Warners. That, anyway, it's a big thing. But the bottom line is it's like you break your contract, you're fucked. And they, so, didn't, and they didn't really have deals where you could like studio hop. Exactly. With the contracts, eh, well, unless, you had to like yeah, stick with that. Like you were Warner Brothers' guy yeah. exactly. until that contract ended. You had to wait till the contract ended. It's it's indentured servitude essentially because yeah, the studio tells you where you go. So. And so the, the whole the start of the movie is um, there's a really funny bit. It's like I don't get a funny Western. It's funny. Um, <laughs> and, 
you know, there's this really great scene very early after they do this cool, like, tracking shot of them going from stage to stage saying hi to people. Um, you know, Ollie talking about his marriages and how he doesn't have money. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get to it and they're talking about their contracts where uh, Stan's contract is up and he says, why don't you just resign? You know, there's no, uh, you know, we need to be together. And then how Roach approaches and it's like berating him before, you know, they have to do this take. And then they cut immediately and they, they're able to turn on the charm and, you know, flash forward to 16 years. They haven't been together. They're going on this tour. And um, what I really loved about this film, and I, I'm sure um, Zach and Brad, you might have caught it, too, is they actually have little. Um, uh, it's uh, like they're stage bits yeah, stage woven bits. into their real life. They, they into yeah. the, like when they're going up the stairs with the trunk. The music. And it's, yeah. And it's like, what time is it? <laughs> it goes all the way down. It's like that fucking music box, man. Like that's yeah, like, which is like. I didn't say it in what we've been watching, but I did rewatch a lot of their shorts, like Desert, Sons of the mm-hmm. Desert and Music Box and stuff like that. These things still fucking work oh, in yeah. terms of comedy. And like watching that bit, I love the line right after that, which is like, do we really need that drunk? <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's their real life, and there's no people watching, but they still put in these uh, Stan and Ollie bits as you're watching the movie. Yeah. yeah the other and one where uh, Stan's at like the secretary's desk and he's waiting oh, to talk yeah, to the movie crazy. producer and he does the hat gag. Yep. Yeah, I love the hat yeah, gag. And I almost lost it when after Ollie has the heart attack. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. he comes to see him and he brings the bag and it's set up like the broken foot gag. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's really just them talking. Mm-hmm. It's so great. Yeah. It's, um, there's, um, uh, there's, there's something to it. Like, cause like, I mean, for historical sake, it, not everything's perfect in this, but yeah, it doesn't most. have to be because it, it gets the tone of it specifically right. Like I think with with this subject, it's very hard to be accurate because otherwise you you can lose interest in it as an audience yeah. goer. So what they did with this that I thought was brilliant was they played up the fact that you know Laurel and Hardy, unlike a lot of other comic teams and maybe like a few to a degree, like they're just paired together by a studio guy. Like Laurel and Hardy were literally just paired together out of nowhere. And then, and then yeah, it blew yeah. up. And again, it was all Hal Roach doing it. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It's like, didn't they? They did a couple shorts before they were Laurel and Hardy, and then they met again a few years later. They, they kind of like they, they were both in one for something. Yeah. They go off and do something because like Stan Laurel was part of the same touring company that Chaplin was part of, and Chaplin was the big get on that. Like because uh, Stan is a big vaudeville guy. Yeah, big vaudeville guy. Um, I mean, so was Hardy, but like the the. Hardy went more toward film like early on. Yeah, you know, you so yeah, as you watch the movie, you know, there's little parts. I don't know if I'm just a wuss now, but you know, um, I really liked uh, Stan's wife in it. She was really funny. Yeah, the um, wives were both were yeah, wives were great. Um, but you know, the scene where after Ollie has the heart attack and he's out there, he's going to do the show, and he's just they're cutting back between him looking at uh, Nobby. And uh, and Stan, and, Stan yeah. and you know he's his heart's not in it. They couldn't do it without it. Yeah. And um and then he goes back and does the bit without being the bit um with the eggs, and he and Ollie realizes he needs to do this too. Like yeah, he, he can't go on uh, not doing one last show. And then there's that great moment where the wives hold their hand because they're worried about the door bit. Whereas he you gonna hold up and the door bit was brilliant. I mean, I, I my whole theater was laughing so oh yeah loudly when they're going passing each other and I was too. I mean, it was and I like wonderful. how they keep it mainly to that one shot. Like they'll go in to close a little bit, yeah, because then you don't see the timing of it, it until they, the very end of the movie exactly, when they do the gag again. 
and they show it from a different angle, and it's pretty fucking genius. Yeah. And then Stan um, has to improvise because Ollie can't breathe. Yeah. So they have to change the bit like yeah. on the fly. Yeah. yeah. And um, there's a shot in this film that when I first got out of the movie, I didn't know if I liked it or not. But after thinking about it today, I was like, oh, wow, this is actually a pretty brilliant shot. So there's a moment when they're in London and um, uh, he's uh, he's finding out that he lost a horse race bet. He's walking around the corner and he sees a poster for an Abbott and Costello movie. And at first I didn't like that because I was just like, well, this is 1953. Like Abbott and Costello are almost out the door, too. But then I realized that's actually pretty fucking brilliant because it's a signifier of like how all these like yeah, well, teams are going out the door. I, I read into it that his, uh, I mean, I could be wrong. And also that he just wants to be like doing this young and he, spry again. But, uh, you know, Stan, he's writing a Robin hood feature mm-hmm. and he goes up and he sees that Abbott and Costello are going to Mars. And I think he feels oh, that's right, it's Stan, yeah. that he's, um, he's old news, even though, yeah, the Abbott and Costello were almost done too. He feels like maybe his ideas aren't zany enough. Yeah, you know, them it, doing Robin Hood. It's everybody knows Robin Hood, but Abigail Stella are going to Mars. Yeah, no, that's actually that's actually a very great observation. Like, but like just looking at it, of just like the irony for me, and like, and I guess you too, because like you you understand this as well as I do, is like this is a this is a turning point in mm-hmm. cultural history worldwide, where like the old humor is going to die and die hard <laughs> uh, with a vengeance, and the. The the seeing that poster is kind of like the sad reminder of like this is all going away. Like but like one of the best parts of the this movie and why I think like I will never not like stop watching it. Um they're on a so they decide to do the tour. They decide to continue the tour, go to Ireland and finish the tour. This is near the end of the film. They're on a boat and um they're discussing how Stan reveals to Laura to Hardy that he did not um uh they, they, the 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 film was canceled weeks ago into the tour and he's like I knew and he's like oh why would you why would why did you uh why did you uh why did you let me keep uh writing material for it? and he's just like well what else were we gonna do and I was just I fucking lost my shit and started crying in that theater like that that's the that's the whole fucking point of yeah. why that humor is so brilliant is because they kept working they didn't fucking stop. A title card makes me cry in this film. At the very end, they say, like, even after Hardy's death, Stan was still writing material yeah. for them. Yeah. Like, that's that's the most romantic, beautiful friendship thing I've ever heard in my fucking life. Yeah, it's, it's a great Like, I, I didn't know a lot about Oran Hardy even going into the film. Like, I, I had seen the films. Like, I'd seen your basics, like, Sons of the Desert, um, the, and, like, Heard the Cuckoo Dance and stuff like that. But I did not know much about their life because it's not the comedians that I'm necessarily into. But, like, it... It, it it's 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 representative of that whole concept. Well, you know their their music is so iconic that you forget that it's theirs. That exactly because it's it's represented an entire generation of silent film or 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 old timey comedy. I'm sorry, but also when they're doing their final dance on stage, the the camera movement is very interesting because it's not necessarily focusing on them the performers it also cuts away to their shadows a lot and i think that's really bold to do in this movie because it's it's like it's it's almost like you don't need to do it you don't need to have that flair like you're already entertaining enough with the two guys in there but 
they make a concerted effort to make the camera work in this film just as dynamic as the performers they're they're yeah. photographing. Yeah. And I appreciated that effort. And we haven't even talked about how great John C. Riley and Steve Coogan oh, are. Jesus Christ, they're bro- fucking brilliant. You know, he sings that song at uh, when they're in like the bar mm-hmm. um, and their bit, and it's amazing. Yeah. They uh, they got the bits down. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was Pat beautifully, and the makeup's impressive. Yeah. Also, yeah. the tour manager was pretty funny. Too. Oh yeah, like the tour a, manager was great. Like coming <laughs> off as like a sincere guy, but also like a complete worm. Yeah, that yeah. he just cares like, about just the guilting money. them into everything. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. <laughs> it'd be great if you could do it, but it's not a big deal if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we couldn't pay you to do it, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> but it would really help. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me really appreciate what Coogan's been doing with comedies. When I, I like, I've, I've seen the trip, and I really think the trip's hilarious. But like, also, he did Philomena, um, that the drama film that got him an Oscar nomination. I'm like, this guy really knows how to blend comedy and drama really well. He's a great actor. Um, what was the name of the Robin Hood movie? Robin Good. Robin Good. Robin yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, but yeah, and it, and it it pays homage to that period very well, while not shoving nostalgia down your throat. I think. Like, I mean, like. I love that they got in those crazy classical duo of <laughs> Tan and Hardy. Oh yeah, yeah, they got the, news, the, the newsreel yeah. voice in there. <laughs> Loved it. Um, uh, and and also it was nice for them to show for the majority of the end credits the actual um, oh, footage yeah. of them and giving giving you a sense of who they were actually were. Like, I mean, like this is a this is a film that like I was very influenced by this film. Like walking out, like since yesterday, like thinking about it, I'm like th- this this film has like propelled a million ideas in my fucking head. So like I really am grateful for it existing. So. Yep. Good job, guys. Yeah. Um. Next week, um, the Lego Movie Two. No, it's come out till the following week. Oh, we have to wait that long to talk about it. Yeah. I saw it already. So. Yeah, I saw it too. I mean, you guys can. I mean, I won't be able to see it. The upside. Um. Yeah, we can do the upside. Um, we could do Stan and Ollie again. Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks in a row, the same episode. <laughs> The old timey comedian movie was so great. We had to talk about it some more. <laughs> yep. Uh, and I'd, li- I'd like to see what you guys think of the upside because that was on my that was my top ten, number ten. Because I mean, it's either that or Miss Bala. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Whatever cool. works. Yep. And don't worry. Uh, February eighth, eighth, Cold Pursuit, Lego Movie Two, The Prodigy, What Men Want, all come out. You think they'd move so February's through? covered for us. We yeah. space those well, out. Well, no, because after that, it's uh, actually I want to see Happy Death Day to you. Yeah, I do too. Because um, the first one's pretty fun. I haven't seen the first one. Uh, Neither have I, but I want to see Happy Death Day to you. And then it's Alita after that, and then How to Train Your Dragon three. I think we're going to be all right. And, and I think after that, dragon? it's uh, Captain Marvel. Right? Is that the beginning of March? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. And then us after Captain Marvel, which my mom really wants to see. So Captain Marvel, yeah, awesome. She's all on board the MCU after Infinity Love War. So I got to. I'm hoping they have one of those marathons so she can like watch oh, Iron fuck. Man and everything leading up to it. We what? have to sit through uh, Tyler Perry's a Medea family funeral before Captain Marvel. Shoot, there. Wait, Medea's gonna go to the grave now? That's the only thing that week. Yep, we can. See, uh, did did Tyler Perry run out of ideas, guys? That's the first week of March. That's the first week. Of Maybe March. that's our first film explosion. Yeah, <laughs> that year. sounds like the first <laughs> film explosion of the year. At- but guys, <laughs> I need to know why Medea died. Nope. Yes, I do. Find out on your own time. No, <laughs> <laughs> I want you all invested in this. <laughs> all right. Uh, so until next week. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Neighborless Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.